Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Need Some Introduction. I actually just published, within 24 hours, uh, the first uh, recap for Dexter, New Blood, the new season, the new uh, show, I guess. It's not even a new season of Dexter. Since these episodes drop early on Sundays, thank goodness for this, by the way. God. <laughs> it makes it much easier to record on the weekend. So we can get this one out pretty quickly. Hopefully get this one out today. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday, the day the episode dropped. Just to get some things out of the way, once again, make sure you subscribe to us so you know when new episodes are available. We are currently recapping Succession, which we will continue to recap. New episode tonight, and I'll be watching that. The recap will be coming out later this week. Catch up on those if you haven't. Plus other shows we recently wrapped up, Only Murders in the Building, as well as Nine Perfect Strangers, uh, Loki, uh, if you haven't caught up on that yet. And we will be covering, or I will be covering, with the same co-hosts that we had for the Loki recaps, the Hawkeye show, which is starting at the end of this month. So many shows, Sona, right? Too many shows. <laughs> it is too, it is too, too, too many shows. Way too many. <laughs> and all the shows I don't get to watch on top of all that. Like Feast or Famine. That's a good show. <laughs> and literally it's the point, like the only things I watch <laughs> are the things I'm recapping. <laughs> I do not have time to watch anything else. <laughs> so, Oh yeah. And of course, uh, reach out to us. Need some introduction at gmail.com. We'd love to get your feedback. So this episode, and we're going to lose our, we're going to lose our expletive uh, on this right away. By the way, I've started putting expletive yeah. on our recaps already because of succession. It's like, I can't, I can't capture any audio from that show <laughs> without having F-bombs every five seconds. So the, the, the expletives are there. And uh, we'll just get that out of the way. Very right true away. to life in New York City. What can we say? <laughs> uh, by the way, last week's episode was actually called Cold Snap. They yes, had, we did discuss that. Yeah. They had missed that. Miss, I think they had labeled it as a beautiful day or something like that, but it was actually Cold Snap. And to this point of expletives, <laughs> this episode is called Storm of Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so sure right at the top... <laughs> So very briefly, before we get dig into it, I like this episode a lot more than last week. You know, obviously they were setting things up last week. And yeah, uh, can I just chime in yeah. for one second before yes, we please. talk about this week? This is so random, but yeah. I actually, I have been in trouble all week for watching the first episode without my husband. So, but, you know, I was trying to explain, I had to do it for the pod, but that was not carrying much water in my home. So I rewatched the first episode with my husband today and I actually liked it more. I think the second time around. And one really random thing that I wanted to note that I think was a callback to the first season and the first episode, if I recall correctly, in the actual season premiere of regular Dexter, he brings a box of donuts to his office in the first episode. And if I remember right, Dokes is the only one who won't eat the donuts. And there's a whole thing about like what's going on between him and Dokes and Dokes can tell something's just not right with him. And in this first episode, he also brings donuts to his office, the hunting store, um, and offers them to his boss. So I thought that was a cute little callback. You know what? I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it. And then, of course, it is such a big part of the Dexter show. Like you literally, throughout the entire show, you see him showing up every day with a box of donuts. (laughs) And I guess this was his way, you know, maybe his dad or somebody taught him this is the way of him. Ingratiating uh, yourself, seeming normal. Exactly. Just like once (laughs) going back to that theme of like, you know, pretending to be the person you're supposed to be, which of course is, you know, his modus operandi. Beyond that is uh, another interesting point I think you bring up there is we see it in this episode specifically is the calendar, right? Where he's like, you gotta stay on the program, right? And I think donuts and all this process is part of this program he's on, right? It's like he's a, it's once again, just back to the second season of the original recipe, Dexter, where, uh, you know, he's like, it's like he's in an Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, right? Because he's The calendar made me laugh though, because it actually, while it's true, it is like that. 
it also reminded me of like at a factory, like yes. X number of days without an incident, like yep. mm-hmm. 365,000 yep. days without a murder. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I actually thought I took the exact same note with us having Disney Plus and during COVID, my daughter watched so many Disney show movies, I should say. Mm-hmm. And of course, I think about Monsters Incorporated, where they're like, you know, days since an incident, mm-hmm. it goes back to zero. And I that's what I was thinking in my mind going like Dexter's like, oh, you know, exactly. Oh, we messed up that pattern. <laughs> <laughs> Back to day one. It's like being an alcoholic, right? Same thing. Yeah. Okay. So we do right away. You know, I had a lot of questions last week going like, oh, I hope, I hope the show answers some of these questions. And they do answer them right away. So, you know, he says, must have been a long trip. And now we find out Harrison came from Buenos Aires. And I like that they just drop all this information, which we do need, uh, just into conversation. They're not sitting there and doing an exposition dump, which is good. Yes. I was happy to have that explained. Yes. And then we also get a feel for how long it's been. He says, now we know it's been 10 years in total. So he did go to Oregon, by the way, right? We find out Hannah died. She had cancer. Well, this is the story we hear anyway. So I'm not 100% sure we believe everything that Harrison says, by the way. But uh, she did die of cancer. She died somehow. And uh, Harrison finds the letter. He gets sent to the US about three years ago into foster care. But from the letter, he had been able to track down Dexter back to Oregon, where he was no longer, of course. And from there, you know, doing some snooping on the Internet, he eventually found a photograph of Dexter uh, here in New York. And that's what brought him here. So we get all this information. Yeah, we'll get you every time. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. This seems to be a theme now with uh, with all these shows, which, of course, is probably true. Mm hmm. I have a quick question for you, by the way. So this is probably very minor, but Harrison walks in, he goes over to like the area where Dexter has all his tools and uh, he picks up a butcher's knife. And then he, I thought he was going to pick up the butcher's knife and he just starts walking somewhere. I thought he was going to walk into, I should say, he's going to replace it in the kitchen. And unless I missed it, I actually think that he goes into his bedroom after that. So is he hiding a knife in his room? Wow. I totally missed that. Perhaps because I was actually trying to eat while I watched this episode. I totally missed that. It's very so minor it could, and it could be completely not important because they're talking Dexter, you know, we're cutting back and forth between the two mm-hmm. of them. So it could be that he like did go and put it in the kitchen and like they just, when they edited the scenes together, they just cut that part out. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe I'm over reading into it, but I'm, I'm basically, I'm, I'm, you know, maybe overly wary. I'm curious whether Harrison is for real or not, or a hundred percent for real. I think there's definitely there's truth in what he's saying. I don't know what percentage of that is true though. So maybe that's me just being a little oversensitive or maybe me just looking for clues, but I was curious. I'm just happy that. we got some acknowledgement that he was in Oregon and now he's not. Yes, finally. Right? <laughs> we were so confused about that. Everybody, the whole it internet was, was so confused, confused about that last week. Yes. <laughs> it was the chatter of the internet. <laughs> oh, and then in the middle of this, Deb is there with her bullet tapping on the glass. Boy, Deb is more annoying dead than she's ever been alive. I disagree because I found her very annoying alive. So to me, this is just a continuation of my aggravation with that character. Uh, she's in her hospital gown this time. So uh, she does change her outfits. And then we do see her in a, like a parka later on. So I guess she does get to change clothes here, luckily for the actress. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she you know, has a very aggressive scene with Michael C. Hall. I'm like, uh, is that working out some of their divorce? <laughs> I, I actually made call outs to the, the needle drops here, like the music that's playing. So we have Beck playing at one point, And then we have later on, we have Dinosaur Jr. playing. I'm like, what is this, 1993? Like, wh- where are we in time? Well, I'm saying New York can feel like a throwback in defense of those choices. Yeah. Um, sometimes it does feel like time stands still up there. Um, it's true. Good not to alienate anyone. <laughs> um, and also on that note, both of uh, both me and my husband commented that this is the most diverse upstate New York town we have ever seen in our lives. 
which kind of makes me think, you know, of our prior conversations of how much diversity, um, as much as I appreciate diversity and it's important to me, how much of it is realistic and how much of it is diversity for the sake of having diversity. But that's a whole other side conversation. Well, you know what? I'll, ju- I'll throw it in here because I do think this is potentially something that the show could deal with. The first thing is that, you know, although I never really think about Native American populations up in. No, that part I'm fine with. That part, I think, is very realistic. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because there actually is an upstate, you know, pretty big population. No, of course. No, that Mm -hmm. part is realistic. But the African-American population, the Latin American population, in my experiences with upstate New York, small town upstate New York, where everybody knows everybody, that kind of situation. I personally have not seen that. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but. It's not something that I've witnessed. Oh, and also the um, the open uh, gay relationships as well. I'll throw into that. You know, I was up there this summer and there were a lot of Confederate flags, but maybe. <laughs> this is true, though. I mean, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, you do see a lot of that, unfortunately, still. I don't know what they think the Mason-Dixon line is. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yes, showing that. Uh, I don't want to alienate anyone. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying... I have not seen that level of diversity in my personal experience. That's all. So then we, uh, you know, we, we're actually seeing there as well that this girl, um, I call her the sacrificial lamb. I still don't remember her name, but yeah. the girl we met last week, she's yeah. somewhere drinking. I don't know where she got that champagne bottle from in yeah. a hotel. And chocolate covered strawberries, I think as well, right? Yeah. And she's definitely being poisoned, right? Or, or dosed for something to, to something. make her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, when a bottle of Dom Perignon is too good to be true, it's. <laughs> and I don't think this is much of a spoiler, by the way, but the um, dad, the, the character actor who plays Matt's dad, who we see in full face by the end of the episode, is the person watching her on the camera. I was not 100 percent on that. You think so? Oh, it's absolutely the case. Yeah. I mean, he's okay. a very recognizable face. And as a matter of fact, it, it, for okay. me, you know, he's done so much character work for me. So it was nobody so recognizable. could find him because he was too busy um, watching this girl. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They tried to call him for hours. Apparently he was just staring at the yeah. kid's camera the whole time. He did. He had, he had his you know, he, he did misuse the, the notification silencing on the new iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> See, I had a lot of confusion because for whatever reason, and I'm not saying this is the show's fault. It's probably my fault. I assume that the millionaire that was having the business meeting and the diner that passed out the hot cocoa, I thought that was Matt's dad, but I don't know why I thought that. But so I was very confused as to like why they were saying they couldn't get in touch with him when the police chief had been over there. And like, it, it didn't click for me until the end there, that those were two separate people. Oh yeah. No, he's definitely, it's two different, two completely different people. Yes. And, uh, and I had the confusion last week, actually, I suspected for whatever reason that that character was going to be Matt's dad, the one we met last week. And then it wasn't until this week when she shows up to like borrow his copter, you know, they they would have been more like, have you heard from my son or something? Something would have been brought up at that point. That's fair. Yeah. And then, but anyway, my point is that I saw the character just, you know, just a quarter of his face, half of his face, depending on the different times we cut to him. And he's so recognizable to me because I've seen him so many times that I'm like, oh, that's that actor. So then when he shows up in full face at the end, I'm like, well, obviously it's the same person. It's the person I identified mm. before. Well, you identified him just from his eye and his eyebrow. I did. And also I was kind of looking for him in the show anyway, because I did see him in the upcoming, uh, you know, gotcha. in the season previews, the trailer. Ah, okay. Um, so gotcha. I knew he was in there somewhere. And then when I saw him, uh, you know, with the hair color and the eye color, I could pretty much identify him. Gotcha. And the old face, that old face. Yes. <laughs> you already brought up the whole very funny calendar with the crossed out like. Uh, yes. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Days since an incident, right? 
And then, of course, he also catches himself being sloppy. This is after he, you know, he goes outside and he's like, oh, like, where's his blood? Where's his blood trail coming from? Oh, my goodness. Where did this come from? What happened? He didn't know what the source of that was. So he starts digging it up. And then, of course, at that very moment, police uh, force shows up. Angela shows up and everybody. And they're basically saying, hey, what we already saw in the preview, which was she's like, hey, we're going to set up out here. And he's just like, oh, great. Right. Perfect. So a couple of questions on this, on him covering up, covering his tracks, literally. First of all, is that the blood is still red the next day? And I'm like, is that the case? Like, I... uh, I've never like bled. Interesting question. Maybe because the snow is wet, would that keep it red? Yeah, I don't know. And not that I've, um, you know, ever like bled out on the the, the lawn, you know, during a snowstorm. But, you know, there's Mm -hmm. definitely been times when whatever, like, you know, uh, you know, you spill a coffee or something leaks onto the, and the next day, just because like the wind blows the snow or whatever, like you can't see the tracks, you know, like you can't even see you know, if we get like a rabbit running through the lawn in the middle of the night, we, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 the snow is like pretty much obscures it just, there must've been no wind at all. And once again, the color of the snow, would it be red the whole time? I, and like you said, I thought the same thing. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe this is just the way blood reacts because it's frozen. Right. So possibly maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. And that had not occurred to me. So I do not have the answer to that. I'll have hmm. to do some uh, Reddit research on that. Yes. <laughs> Oh, and then, of course, very awkward that is just like, oh, who's this young guy living inside your house? Oh, it's my son that I never mentioned to you, even though I've been dating for two years. <laughs> so very, but she very gets awkward. credit for going with the going with the flow on that one, though. <laughs> she does. And she has a little bit of her own history. We find that later. So I guess she yeah. is a little more. There was a moment it. where she seemed completely furious on the inside. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like for a woman in that particular situation, she really just went with it. As far as my confusion with the timeline, uh, first of all, this actor, who I think is like 25 years old, actually does look pretty young. So I don't think he looks like he's 25. He looks like he's 18 or 19, I'd say. And then we find out that he's from the math here. Once again, we don't have an explicit age on him, but we know it's been about 10 years since uh, Dexter disappeared. And she mentions that it's almost time for him to start thinking about college, right? Or college prep. So which mm. puts him at like 16, 17. 16. So like, okay, he leaves when, you know, six, seven, that doesn't seem so far off because Rita dies in season four. Uh, Harrison's about one or two when she dies, the show's on for another four years. So that does put him at around six or seven years old, right? We, not that the seasons would correlate directly to one year, mm. but it doesn't seem so strange now that I kind of do the math. Okay. Then like mother, like daughter, they're attracted to this stranger from out of town. She's like, oh, so something mm-hmm. new. I'm, I'm curious about this guy. Honestly, I'd be desperate to meet someone new if I lived in that kind of circumstance as well. So. Especially her boyfriend <laughs> seems like kind of a douche. So it's like. Uh... Right, Zach, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Out in the woods, he's, you know, covering his tracks. He takes, he goes on a, an exploration with Harris and he gets uh, Angela to let him participate. This is Dexter. And they run out on the, um, snow cat i guess they call it and uh he goes covers his tracks literally right with the by running over them his son actually is the one who spots the buck Mm -hmm. and he says oh i'll stay here and uh you know you go head back get them and then get them to come back out here and and, and, uh, we'll see if this is part of the scene and he basically covers up more blood trail deb is there cackling away annoyingly (laughs) so well okay so i listen i i am in the same situation i have been with deb in years so I am at the same level of annoyance, but I think she had a valid point. Can you Windex a rock and get rid of yes. the evidence that way? <laughs> she does have a good point with that. I mean, you know what? Dexter probably knows more than the better than me. He's a blood expert, right? So I guess Windex does kill 99.9%. The alcohol? I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, we were all Windexing when we, uh, right, with the COVID, right? They said Windex is a good, so I don't know. I guess it kills something, right? So I, I did not ever Windex because I had 
in a really weird stroke of events, I had just bought Lysol from Costco. So, <laughs> so I never had to resort to those Lysol alternatives. <laughs> uh, and then as part of that, he also plants Matt's glove near the highway to kind of yes. say, okay, he killed her, this uh, buck and, um, and then tried to make his uh, escape. And that is the story that they seem to go with at first anyway. Yes. Then we see another creepy rich guy, which of course is the same guy, the, the oil baron, uh, you know, they borrow his copter to kind of help with the, yes. with the uh, search. Maybe this is a serious exploration of something potentially here. Angela's uh, adoptive daughter is wearing this um, mm-hmm. indigenous women, a missing indigenous women t-shirt. Yes, which is really a huge issue, by the it, way. Um, exactly. Just It's honestly like horrifying how many of those women go missing and it's just never acknowledged the way it is for women of different ethnicities in our country that, that do go missing and get those resources so that they can find out what happened to them. So many of these women, no one ever finds out what happened to them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a podcast that's very popular in the past year or so. It's probably been around, been on for a few months now. And uh, well, I'll do a full recommendation for it in a future episode because I don't know the title and everything. So I will um, circle back on that, but I'll just introduce the topic now. It's all about these missing indigenous women that Mm -hmm. like the past decade, just all these women disappearing and they're like invisible, right? And uh, so- like I said, hopefully, you know, for a show, you know, they're not just using this for exploitation. I hope that they do explore this a little bit because it is an important topic that is starting to get some uh, attention. Like you mentioned that there is this like never ending fascination every time a blonde girl gets mm-hmm. murdered somewhere. And this is like the story cycle for months and months and minority women disappear all the time and are exactly. uh, they're like invisible. Right. Yeah. So then there's a pretty funny scene where we see that they are, you know, have, have extracted the bullet from the, the deer to um, identify it, you know, so they're going to be able to match it up to Matt's gun. Dexter's like getting shivers of exultation or something from watching this happen. And the police officers, there going like, I know it's rough, right? Because <laughs> you can see he's, he's reacting. He's like, yeah, you never really get used to it, do you? And he's just like, <laughs> meanwhile, his mouth is watering. <laughs> he's trying to hold it in. <laughs> and this is after that is when Angela has that conversation with him and mentions the whole situation that, you know, I have secrets too. As a matter of fact, you know, my daughter's actually an adopted daughter. Well, she seemed bizarrely yeah. excited that they could share like parenting uh, issues together. Like, I mean, I, I get, again, it's a small town, so maybe this is a, a real legitimate issue. And I mean, it's always good to have someone you can talk to. Like, I really enjoy talking to other working moms because like they get it. But she seemed like bizarrely excited to me for what this means for their relationship. But hey, more power to her. Oh, we, we're, we're going to cut to the girl again. And this is when we see that she kind of is finally more fully aware. This is the girl who we've seen abducted earlier in the episode. Once again, yes. I don't know her name, but we were introduced to her briefly last week. And the question I have there is, so... How did she not notice there were cameras in the room? Because that's the question I have. Yeah, and not notice that the doorknob was missing <laughs> as well, right? I so, think maybe someone took away the doorknob at some point. That's I think they moved her into another room. room. I think they moved oh, her into really? another room. I think so. I think she was probably picked, like, you okay. know, she was drugged and probably picked up and moved to another room, I think. And I didn't right. go back and look to see if the rooms actually look different or not. But, oh, no, okay. but it can't be. It can't be true because he was watching her the whole time. So, no, no, that's not, that's wrong. Yeah, yeah. So, I just yeah. felt like the cameras were so obvious. I right. just didn't understand how she couldn't have seen that, but. So I have two questions for you. One, what's your guess? It says you're already dead. Is that one of the girls who were held here warning her? Or is this him messing with her? Like who would have written that on that, under that camera? Interesting question. I assumed it was the person holding her. It'd be a weird thing to write there. 
Yeah, but if you get off on terrifying people, like by removing doorknobs and stuff, like you could, you write it on scary... the wall, it's kind of a hidden place to put it, right? Like, I mean, they could have like written it on the door or something, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because it's like as you're realizing somebody's watching you, you're understanding what your fate might be. I don't know. For whatever reason, I assumed it was her, um, whoever is holding her captive. But that doesn't, I, I just jumped to that. I didn't really consider any other option. It makes perfect sense that it's part of the psychological torture, right? It just seems so yeah. subtle. <laughs> you know, it's like you could, there's many ways you could kind of, like, for example, like you already know that she's probably already pretty terrified. <laughs> there's many ways yeah, you could kind of tease, tease her that out for, for, for a sure. while, right? In a way, like that. letting her think that she's going to be safe for a while. And then, you know, I mean, thinking like, I'm just trying to think like a psychopath here, <laughs> but it's like, it might be better to like, kind of give some hope and then not, you know, to, to that, that might be a better way to, uh, right. to taunt her or to milk the fear. Interesting. Oh, and the second question I had for you was, and this is me maybe being overly, you know, still looking for possible clues that may not be there, but Angela is the one who said, you know, you should stay the night. Let me find you a place. Right. So did Angela send her to this place? Like is Angela feeding girls to this thing seems kind of contra ca you know contradictory to her concern with all these missing indigenous right people. again something i had not considered at all that i was a little bit confused as to like whether she had gone to that shelter that had been referenced and this somehow like the shelter is funneling girls into this right. situation um you know because she had pointed out that woman on the dance floor right saying see right. her she runs the shelter yep so that's kind of where my mind went is that the shelter lady isn't on this somehow but uh, yeah, I, I feel like we are supposed to feel that Angela is a pretty strong character, I think. I think so, too. I would assume that, you know, unless she's trying to prevent something worse from happening in some way or she's being blackmailed, mm. it does seem out of, yeah, she does seem like you're trying to set her up as a police officer whose intentions are in a good right. place, right? Right, I think. But then you do well, see I her think. like being, maybe that's part of the reason she's so terrified of her daughter being out of her sight, right? Because she might know what happens to some of these girls. That's right? an interesting point. Uh, but then of course, the other thing that it could be related to is her daughter confronts her and says, leave me alone, mom. I'm not Iris. So is Iris like a sister of hers who maybe disappeared? That's what maybe. I'm guessing is it given her age, I think yeah. Iris is her sister, but yeah, that's what my theory there. I also for a second thought the daughter was Iris's daughter, but then that doesn't seem to be the case. So. And then we have a good conversation between Dexter and Har Harrison. He, Dex covers himself up pretty well here. And I think it's a good conversation as well, where he basically says, hey, in the letter, you said, let me know if Harrison has any of these dark tendencies. Mm -hmm. And uh, Harrison takes it on himself saying, like, did you run away because I had some behavioral mm -hmm. issues of some kind? And, you know, it's like he, he's admitted earlier on that he had addiction problems, et cetera. So, yeah. um, so maybe he did see like his dad somehow saw these things in him and he blamed himself for Dexter running off. And then Dexter makes a good argument saying, actually, no, I didn't want to be bad influence on you. All of this mm -hmm. is true. You know, he's hiding the truth and telling him the truth at the same time. Mm -hmm, so I, I, mm -hmm. I thought all of that was done pretty well. I agree. And I also like this idea of Harrison jumped to cover for Dexter immediately as far as who his true identity is. I mean, with the idea of like, I just don't want cops in my business, which is kind of funny. But as he gets closer, of course, to the cop's daughter, you start confiding things and whatever. And it, it will be interesting, I think, to see that develop. Yeah, I agree. And there's going to be tension here between uh, all these things, different threads like you mentioned. Oh, and then we that leads us to the last, uh, the closing scenes there where we see that Matt's dad shows up. Like I said, a very recognizable character actor. If you see the show, I honestly don't know this actor's name. Unfortunately, I should. Know. I honestly don't recognize him, but that really means nothing. So 
Yeah, if you go to like Internet Movie Database and you like click on him, you'll see he's mm-hmm. been in like hundreds and you know he's been in like every single okay. procedural as a, mm-hmm. as a as a criminal most of the time. Gotcha. One he's, of been those a, guys. he's been a regular on shows as well, and um, yeah, he's one of those guys. Exactly, those guys, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so he he's shows a up. That guy, and, yeah. He's a that guy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, um, oh yeah, so he basically says we're going to keep looking, and uh, and Angela goes, well, I'm sorry, I guess Dex, we're going to stick around here for another 24 hours or something. We're going to work through the night. Um, and then it's funny that you're talking about how slow. Um, succession is i was laughing to myself I'm like could you imagine this whole season of show happens in one day <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> i don't think that's going to be the case but it would be funny if like the next episode is like the next two hours and then it's just like it's like 24 or something i i will say again like i'm just having so many misunderstandings with this show for some reason i thought that matt was in the fishing hall i don't know why and they made it clear at the end that he's actually under the fire pit Oh, yeah. No, I think they definitely uh, hinted at that. Yeah. And that's the gruesome stinger on this whole episode. Right. Is that they are literally, you know, warming themselves over his body. And we see that grisly, uh, kind of bad CGI, but still, it is still pretty grisly. uh, It was grim. Mm -hmm. Uh, And um, but uh, oh, yeah, but I think you're absolutely correct. He literally mentions that, Okay, it's not in last week's episode. Dexter said it's not like the whatever the marine, it's whatever. like the marina or the bay or whatever yeah. exactly but it'll do and he saw like a poster of the ice fishing season had started so exactly like you said i'm like oh yeah he must have dumped him you know through a, the fishing holes right but no apparently that's not what he did so but that, that was definitely hit it was hinted at last week for sure yeah and that's about it on the coming attractions we see i think Eric Andre for a split second is a cameraman, a, buff, a buffoonish cameraman. So I, I do like I Eric Andre. That, but I'm a fan of his. So, yeah, so I do hope that. he shows up if that if I did correctly identify him. Uh, we also see a bear, uh, you know, confronting Dexter, which looks like a pretty big action sequence for the show. And we also see that there's like a sniper, somebody wearing a ski mask um, in a white parka. Mm-hmm. So maybe Matt has hired a mercenary to track down the killer, possibly. So all question marks for next week and we'll see how that goes yeah for sure so how'd you like the episode overall i enjoyed it and i i think as i said re-watching the first episode i actually liked it better on the second watch and i then watched the second episode immediately after so like it was kind of a nice flow i enjoyed it i also enjoyed the development of the american indian aspect of this i that's a culture i find really interesting and i don't think we see enough of it in the media. So I liked how that is getting woven into the story. I liked how they're showing the police chief is kind of caught between those two communities. So I'm really interesting to see what happens with that as well. I, I like it too, more so than the first episode, even though it's based on an existing show, I always kind of go by, I basically consider that first episode almost like a pilot episode because I'm yeah, sure what they yeah. wrote to get mm-hmm. the green light. Yeah. And uh, in general with me, I don't think pilot episodes are ever are very good because they just have a lot of work to do. So yeah. I thought it was fine. You know, it introduced Dexter. As a matter of fact, you know, me writing shows that no one will ever <laughs> fund, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> my version of the show would have actually spent more time with him in the flow of this kind of like idyllic life he's in and then disrupted by. Mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. But obviously that is requires a level of patience that maybe most viewers won't have. If anything, yeah, it feels- I mean, one thing that uh, Joel and I, my husband and I were discussing is it was definitely a choice to have him kill someone in that first episode in order to hook people in because, you know, 
normally you'd think you'd see a little bit more before he goes for the murder, but, <laughs> but they made sure to get that in into the, you know, those, that last 15 minutes. I completely agree. Like the, the version of the show I would have preferred to see was introducing this antagonist and then him really having to control himself, especially with his son there. And then him finally doing it, maybe in episode two, right. maybe at the end of episode two, let's say they probably said, well, we got to have him kill somebody right away because people are going yeah, to. Yeah, otherwise you're not going to hold people. Yeah, exactly. But I think a better version of the show would have made us wait. And it also would have made more stakes because then it would be like Dexter's reconnecting with his son. He's living this clean life. Can he do it? No, he can't. Right. right. Instead of just being like, <laughs> he killed somebody no. right away. Exactly. It's just like that. <laughs> he obviously is not going to, right? So I would have rather yeah. let him drag that out a little bit more. But um, there would be more suspense for me anyway. But uh, that's my version of the show I would like to see. And it sounds like you guys would have preferred that too. But I think that there's just a need to get Dexter killing again for, for the- I mean, as we were saying, there's just too much stuff out there to watch. So if you don't hook somebody pretty quickly, they're just going to move on to the next thing. So I do get it from a- marketing perspective or you know that type of thing on a separate note did you have a chance to see yellow jackets i have not but i saw the little preview that came on before dexter and it seemed really interesting so i'm gonna put this here just to flesh it out more i'm gonna make a recommendation to you basically and then you can watch it on your own term it's actually it's been online showtime has been has had it online for multiple weeks now but officially the first episode airs tonight for the very first time this is the official okay. premiere date for the show so mm-hmm. you're not behind basically if you turn the tv on tonight it'll be on but i do highly recommend it and uh you know yeah, i recommend, it to, watch it. Yeah, I recommend watch it. it to the audience as well i have a question for you whether i don't want this to be a spoiler or not because i went in completely unspoiled just based on the the reviews but how much how bad do you see what's happened in the past, do you see in the preview? What do you see in the preview? Describe the preview to me that you saw. From what I saw, it was the only thing that I could really synthesize. I don't think I'm good with quick cuts. I think I really don't pick up a lot in the quick cuts. My brain is too slow to process it. The only thing I definitely know happened is that there was a plane crash. Okay. So then I won't spoil it for you, but I'm pretty sure it's in the full trailer. And as a matter of fact, I literally saw it in the headlines the when people mm-hmm. were in the reviews, a key plot point which is revealed in episode one. Go for it. I don't, it doesn't bother me. But it's not, a, I didn't think it, you know, I thought it's a little bit of a spoiler, but the premise of the show, which I highly recommend, by the way, this first episode, I don't know if the whole rest of the show is going to be as good as this first episode. It's directed by Karen Kusama, who also directed like Jennifer's Body, which is like a, a movie that was hated at the time and now has gotten like reclaimed as like this feminist mm-hmm. uh, horror movie. But also more recently, a few, just a few years ago, directed The Invitation, which was a horror movie that got mm-hmm. wildly um, praised. And then she also dist- uh, directed Destroyer with um, Nicole Kidman, which got Nicole Kidman a few award nominations. So she's kind of returned to Hollywood in the past few years. And she does an excellent job of directing this first episode. There's two tensions going on. We have this situation. These You have this teen drama element of the show, which I don't always go for, but there's this roiling tension this horror sense in the tone of the show that's always there even in the the high school moments that makes Mm -hmm. it somehow you know makes that material work for me in a way that maybe it wouldn't if the tone was a little different if it felt a little more like freeform television or something Mm -hmm. um So anyway, the, the, the tone of the movies. Of the I wonder show, which show you're talking about, Victor. Anyway. <laughs> I can't imagine which one I mean. But um, the tone is really interesting. The story jumps back and forth. You see these women in present day. The casting on most of these women is great. The, the young women versus their older counterparts. But where we're flashing back and forth to, they were on a soccer team together. Their plane crashed. 
And this is not a spoiler at all. I won't go into all the details of it, but you see this in the opening scene of the show is that someone in the past, one of these girls is being chased through the forest and uh, she falls into like a bear trap and is killed like in the very first scene of the show, mm-hmm. not a spoiler at all. And then you see that there are these people in the woods wearing like masks and it's very horrific. The, the mm-hmm. imagery basically are now like dragging her body out of this hole. Mm-hmm. And uh, then what we're leading up to in the context is these women in present tense. One of them is it all takes place in New Jersey, by the way. So all these different landmarks and stuff are play, like towns they reference or, you know, it's the all the that one of the journalists is trying to interview all these girls to find out what happened. They're like re digging up the story again, writes for the Star Ledger. <laughs> so it's very entertaining. Oh, wow. it's, it's all mm-hmm. stuff that, you know, I, I actually think I don't know what towns they shot in. But it looks like they shot in Montclair. So it's it, mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. interesting, to, you know, all stuff that, uh, you know, just that is kind of fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the actresses are all great. Uh, the, the adult actresses, the, the teenage actresses, you know, a little more mixed, but everyone does a good job overall. And uh, yeah, just jumping back and forth. It has a lot of big names in it. It has oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Christina Ricci and I can't remember who else right now, but the, I was surprised. Uh, Juliette Lewis. Juliette Lewis. Yeah, exactly. And there was one more that I was like, oh, I didn't know she was in this. And I can't remember her name now. Yeah. And there's, more, and there's more. We haven't yeah. met everybody from the between the flashbacks. And part of it is I think they're holding back some of the characters, partially because we don't know if they survived. So mm-hmm, I, and because mm-hmm. at this point, we've only met, I think, three or four of the girls from back then, although there was many more on the plane. So I think that they're kind of hiding some of the reveals because they are going like in the previews for this week, for the second episode, they show that they are, I'm like on a road trip to go talk to somebody who knows like too much or something. So there are other people who survived this, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot of this is a guessing game to see like who survived this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's the very last moments of the episode. So I'm going to spoil a tiny little thing that happens at the end of the episode, although I'm pretty sure it's in the trailer. Basically they resort to cannibalism. Um, oh my god yes it, uh... <laughs> so the final scenes of this are pretty grisly stuff um <sighs> okay. yeah but um and then now we find out that's what actually what that girl was being stalked for in the first place so like i said that's at the very end of the episode but i believe it's like one of the opening scenes of the trailer so you know they give it away there and they put it like i said even in the reviews i was seeing it right away but i do highly recommend that and it is oh you know i don't know if it's going to stay this good but as a single episode it is very very good it's very tense the actresses do great work and there's all these kind of speaking to each other and saying things to each other without really saying them. So it's, it's very, mm-hmm. very, well, it's very well done. Yeah. And also seeing the tension, they're laying the groundwork for these frenemies. Like they had to work together on this soccer team and we're like best friends on the soccer team, but also laying these tensions, the tensions between them. Cause you know, and now once again, it makes you watch like Lord of the flies or something. How are these tensions going to create rifts when they're trapped on this in this circumstance? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I mean, a very good pilot and uh, we'll see how the rest of the show goes. All right. So to fill out the episode, I did want to continue our sociopath of the week <laughs> conversation, but I did have a conversation where I was trying to watch the show You, which reminds me a lot of Dexter. But where yeah. I left off in our previous conversation was I had watched season one uh, yeah. almost all the way through. I was like one episode left. I had only the season finale of episode one. And then, of course, Netflix being Netflix, I rolled directly into um season two, episode one. And I was going to pretty much give up on the show after episode of season one, but I decided to, um, to watch a little more. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to give you my experience of it because of, you know, I found it interesting, my reaction to it. So the first thing I was going to mention, you mentioned to me in the last conversation, how you still had these like commercial breaks in it. um, Even though it was on Netflix. And what I wanted to mention to you is I found it interesting 
that in season two, episode one, they really didn't have it, but they do reintroduce it later in the series. So it was mm -hmm. interesting that they kind of almost made one long episode for season two that started off with you know this new Netflix relationship, but then they did kind of go back to the pattern of how they had written the show before, probably just for continuity, like to so it felt like the same show, to be honest. But mm -hmm. I did think it was interesting that they changed it. And the reason I wanted to bring this up was because I didn't really love the way season one wrapped up. I wasn't a big fan of season one in general, but I watched episode, season two, episode one, and I really, really liked the first episode of season two. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And <laughs> I was thinking, why did I like this so much? And I think yeah. part of it was that, uh, first of all, I liked the fact that they didn't have those breaks. So they kind of made one long story. I liked the fact that it was, Maybe I like the manic pixie dream girl motif of this new character in oh, season you two. Would. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, I know, but here, but I, uh -huh. I, hear, hear me out on this. So I was like, so maybe that's why. So I was kind of like rooting for them a little bit more because I saw mm -hmm. the appeal of this girl more so than I saw in last season. And then I liked, you know, I had watched the whole pilot. I really, in the pilot, or I guess the season premiere of season two, I had liked all of it. And then they pull the rug out from underneath you at the end. And I'm like, oh, I like the way they did that, too, that he's been just been stalking this girl the whole time. So like the show was, you know, showing and not telling, doing the thing that the first season was supposedly trying to do, but doing it like as a perfect little one episode thing, right, where he's trying to be the perfect boyfriend. But of course, he's the perfect boyfriend because he's stalking her. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and it's like the show is doing that to us as the viewers. So I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. so clever, so clever. I loved the way it started <laughs> but <laughs> so i watched that first episode and i'm like "Ooh, maybe the show got way better in uh -huh. season two uh -huh. so i watched episode two and then by the time episode two there's a hitman he has a finger cut off they have it reattached and nobody notices somehow this whole entire time all this stuff is going on and i'm like eh, i don't know i don't know so i'm gonna go with the joel technique I saw the first two episodes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I cannot even imagine for that season. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, I'm going to do the Joel technique here. I saw the first two episodes. I'm going to watch the last two episodes. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> I get to the end of the show. Spoilers for season two of you, by the way. Everybody out there, if you have not seen it, you can skip the rest of this conversation. <laughs> but spoilers for the rest of for season two of you. I jumped to the end and I'm like, what the hell? She's got yeah. a twin brother. He <laughs> was sexually molested when he was younger. She <laughs> killed, he thought she he killed it, but it was actually somebody else. They're, he, there's, they're, they're being kidnapped to write a script. The ex-girlfriend is back. She's the one who's like, I'm like, what the hell is happening on the show? Like, <laughs> if I, based on the first episode and even based on this crazy finger you know chopping off guy that you know conveniently there's no problem reattaching a finger and no one notices mm -hmm. even an intimate uh, you know partner doesn't even notice this is happening regardless of that level of craziness <laughs> by the end of the season i'm like what the hell is going on here this is mm -hmm. like a completely different show like what is mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god so i was just like wow i was so glad i did not watch that whole season like holy cow <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to tell you that because I found it very entertaining that I'm like, I saw the season two episode one. I'm like, wow, this is really my kind of show. <laughs> and I got to the, watch the finale. They're like, thank God I didn't watch this thing. Thank God I didn't watch this thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh boy. That's what a, hysterical. What a reversal. What a reversal. <laughs> I'm like, this show's finally on my way. I'm like, no, no, it's much worse than last season. Much worse. <laughs> I agree with you. It was trying to do too much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, too much indeed. <laughs> well, thank you for giving it a try. And please do let me know what Kim says about season three, if she ever finishes it. She is watching season three. She has watched the first couple of episodes. Is she enjoying it so far? She is. I think she's enjoying it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. She told me, you know, like it's all, you know, over the top and everything, but she's. Uh, yeah, it's so over the top. She knows. She, I mean, top. she knows yeah. that from watching the show. Obviously, if you've seen season two, you're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the show's definitely over the top. So uh, yeah, it makes, and that's what's so funny of watching the show, you know, is seeing, you know, especially when they're trying to like get into his backstory and stuff like that about this, you know, his what, mother and whatever that backstory is. I don't know the yeah. details of it because I haven't watched the whole season but they're fleshing that out <clears throat> that there is so much of it that does, like you said already, it really more and more so reminds me of Dexter. Yeah. But I got to tell you that it is like, he is maybe more unforgivable than, than Dexter, <laughs> you know? Oh because... yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and the other thing I want to mention is, you know, even though I didn't see all of season two, so I'm not going to give it a, a ranking one way or the other. And obviously, like I mentioned before, not a show I want to watch, but obviously I am wrong because the show is hugely popular. So if you guys like it, go out, love it, enjoy it. It's just not for me. But I do want to give it credit for certain things, even though I don't really enjoy it. First of all, that it is clever in the way it's written. I love in, I think it was episode two of season two. It might've even been episode one, but I think it's episode two where he goes to meet that guy. Mm -hmm. oh, by the way, it's up being his friend at the end after. And that's very strange, by the way, that he's like calling him up for like relationship advice and stuff at the end of the show at the end of season two. But that guy that he steals his identity, mm -hmm. that, uh, I find it very interesting that he's like, oh, this is the best I can do. If you really want to cultivate an identity, you got to be like me. You got to kind of like have like no pictures of you on the internet, but, but yeah. uh, you know, but like a work history and everything else. It took me 10 years to cultivate this. And of course he's going like, hmm, <laughs> I want your identity, right? So, uh, but I love the fact that he says right before he gets knocked unconscious by the protagonist uh, or antagonist, I guess, in this, or, or anti, what do we call him, like an anti-hero, um, that uh, before he gets attacked, he basically says, you're lucky you're a white guy. No one suspects the white guy just as he like crushes his skull. <laughs> <laughs> so that was clever for sure. Oh, and the second thing I would say is very clever in the show. It's something I don't appreciate in the show because I'm irritated by the over-the-top plotting. But like in reading a synopsis of the season, which is what I did after the fact, that you appreciate what the show's trying to do. And um, I think that in season one, what they're doing cleverly is they're basically uh, puncturing the traditional romantic comedy, right? Where you have like the girl and the guy and there's all these crazy things that keep them apart and blah, blah, blah. And the joke is like, this is like the puncturing of the, the perfect guy, it, wouldn't it be nice to meet that perfect guy? It's like that perfect guy is a stalker. <laughs> that's, that's the joke of season one, like the meta joke of season one. And in season two, it's exactly what I said, where I was kind of like lulled in by the manic uh, pixie dream girl mm -hmm. motif of like, you know, like whether it's Scott Pilgrim mm -hmm. or these type of like male skewing romantic comedies, for lack of a better term, that they're like kind of like this idealized version of like the hip girl that she's kind of like cooler than you expect. And in this case, it's like, oh, she's a psychopath, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so I think that they're, you know, intentionally taking these rom-com motifs and then intentionally mm -hmm. satirizing them, right? Mm -hmm. So well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think season one is very much about 
the lens that we see certain actions through being colored with like how attractive the person is, how charming the person is, how we think about the person that like the exact same actions done by a person you're not attracted to would be like, I need to get a restraining order. Right. You know, but because you find this person attractive, it's romantic. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly like how I feel about this is how I always felt about, you know, me as someone who's not a fan traditionally of romantic comedies, aside from like the classics, like When Harry Met Sally or something like that. But when you see like, you know, um, uh, How to Lose a Guy, what's the name of that movie? How to Lose a Guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Like when you watch a movie yeah. like that, I'm like, this is straight up sociopathic behavior. Like if yeah. someone did this, they would be arrested multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. supposed to be, oh, isn't she charming? It's like, no, she's a crazy person. <laughs> and the show yeah. is just, this show, in, in, you know, at its best is pointing that out, so which, I, yes. which, I, which I appreciate. So, But I can't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's my opinions on season two, the, the, the little bit of season two of you that I watched. But I, uh, like I said, I don't, it's not a full review on my part. I just found it very entertaining, like just kind of this experience of like saying like, well, what happens if I do try to just see the beginning and end? And I'm like, wow, not a good way to watch that show for sure. 